of conscience. There are things that the Bible tells us clearly, and then there are other things in there that it's open to interpretation. And the idea for us is that we don't want to be the kind of people who needlessly divide the people of God over secondary issues. Like what it says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Even if you aren't a full-fledged nitpicker, it's pretty good bet that at some point you judged others for what they did or didn't do. Well, today, Pastor Daniel urges you to make space for other people's opinions. You'll discover that God wants you to be unified with other believers. When you make room for personal convictions regarding non-essential issues, you stand firm against unnecessary division and protect the unity of God's people. Now, Here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 14 as he begins his message, Questions of Conscience. So I got to be honest, I love that we're doing this Amplify series because it gives me the opportunity not only to talk about Jesus, but to talk about music a lot. Because I love music. Music was one of the very first passions of my life. And you think about that idea of an, of amplifier, an amplifier, right? An amplifier is something that makes the volume of an instrument or something else, uh, so much louder. But the key to a good amplifier is not only the fact that it works, but also the fact that it, it needs to reproduce the sound properly. And I'll never forget the very first time I ever blew a speaker in my bass amplifier. So what happened was, is you know, you know the bass, right? If you don't know the bass, you do. You just don't know it. It's that low end. It's what makes the music sound absolutely awesome. You know, it just fills out the bottom. You know, every time you're, you're listening to music and you find your head starting to go like this, it's because the bass is rocking, right? And so, so I remember they had this amplifier, but then I realized that there are these things called effects pedals. Right, And the effects pedals could take the sound of your bass and make it sound differently. Now, as a bass player occupying the lower end of the spectrum, right, there's these things called octave pedals. And what the octave pedal does is not only does it play the note that you're playing, but it plays it an octave lower. So you know when I started to get a pedal, I'm like, I want the octave lower. You know what I mean? And so, so I got that pedal, and it was amazing because like you, you'd hit the pedal, and you'd hit the bass, and uh, the speakers didn't quite know what to do with the super low frequencies, right? Because it's like it's so much lower than like the lowest note that you can get. But then, you know, because I'm an extreme personality, I don't know if anyone realized that yet, I have extreme personality tendencies, then I heard about this pedal called the meat box, now, isn't that a great name for an effects pedal? So what the meat box did is it took all like the subharmonics and it amplified them all. So have you ever been in a concert where the, it feels like the whole room is shaking? Yeah, it's because an equivalent of the meat box is going off. And so I was amazing because I had these pedals. I had the octave pedal and I had the meat box pedal. And I hit both of them. I was in the middle of the gig. I hit both of them. And literally like the speakers just gave up the ghost. It's just like it couldn't, it couldn't handle what was going on. And for the rest of the gig, or at least for the next song, it was like the sounds that I was making, it just came out sounding terrible. 
You know, and there was another bass player there. It's like, here, use my cabinet. I think you blew your, but don't hit those two pedals. You know, and I bring this up because we're talking about this idea of this Amplify series. And it really speaks about because of who Jesus is and what he's done. Our job as believers is actually to amplify, to make the message of Jesus louder in our culture. But the key is, is not all louder sounds are actually the right sound. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to get into an area of scripture that is, I believe, essential for us as individuals. Because if we're honest, one of the greatest struggles all of us have is in relationships, right? Is with other people. Uh, simply because people are different from us. People have different ways of approaching things. Uh, I don't know how many times I've talked to uh, couples and, and they're just struggling because they're different from one another. They don't do things exactly the same way. And if you've been around Christianity long enough, you realize that one of the greatest issues the church as a whole has is there's so many different sects and styles of, of church. There's this group and this group. And if you ever go into town, there's the first denominational church of this and then there's a second denominational church and of the same denomination and then there's some there's third and fourth and that's because churches keep splitting right but jesus prayed in john 17 that the church would be unified in christ that we'd be made perfect in one and what i would tell you is what i'm constantly learning is that the flesh divides and grace brings together right it's like now unity is actually God's heart. And I'm not saying that we should unify at all costs. I think it was Augustine who said it this way, or Augustine, depending on how you like to syllabify that dude's name, uh, that in the essentials, we have unity. And in uh, the non-essentials, we have diversity. But in all things, we have charity, which is the King James word for love. You know, and in a lot of ways, as a church, we live in that space. That in the big things of Christianity, we have unity with the body of Christ. On the not essential things, we give space for diversity. That's why you notice when you're here, we're not like making fun of other churches or so. These churches think this. We don't do a lot of that stuff at all because it's it's diversity. It's not the most important thing. But in all things, we want to have charity. We want to have love. And I want to encourage you in that today as we look at a very important section of scripture. So open up in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14, Romans 14, verses 1 to 13 today. Romans 14, verses 1 to 13, as we continue our study here in the book of Romans. If you uh, brought a Bible with you to church today, so proud of you. I keep encouraging you to bring your Bible to church, because literally if I don't encourage you to bring it to church, no one else encourages you to bring your Bible anywhere. So we're going to keep encouraging you to bring it to church. I also realize we're not afraid of technology here, and so we know you're going to use it even if we were, so we don't even worry about it. So just pull out your favorite mobile device and type in Romans 14 verses 1 to 13. And what I'll really say is what I have learned is that if people mature spiritually, they become way less divisive. Like a mark of spiritual maturity is being the kind of person who works for unity as long as the essentials are all in place. And so as a church family, we want to be that. We want to make sure that we have things lined up with the heart of the Lord. So look what it says. Romans 14 verse 1. It says it this way. It says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. 
Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Now, if I were to give this into, into just like a big idea that, that you're going to want to write down and it's in your study guide, it's simply this. Brothers and sisters, don't be judgy. Don't be judgy. Now, what's funny is you're, some of you are going to look it up. I didn't know that judgy was a word. It's an actual adjective in the dictionary. I did look it up twice because I wasn't sure. I just thought it was like a cheeky way to be like, don't be judgmental. But I'm like, well, that's a real word. So funny. And so, so, but the idea is don't be judgy. Because really what we see in these verses here is that there are questions of conscience. There are things that the Bible tells us clearly. And then there are other things in there that it's open to interpretation. And the idea for us is that we don't want to be the kind of people who needlessly divide the people of God over secondary issues. Like what it says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Some of your translations is not in disputes over opinions. That's what doubtful things means. It's where the Bible isn't 100% clear. And it says that you and I, we should receive one who is weak in the faith. Now, we're going to see how that unpacks, because for the church in Rome and for the early church, there were very specific areas where there was disputes among the people of God. Those same disputes aren't necessarily here today. We have a whole set of other disputes that we get to have or opinions that we have to have. But either way, the key for you and I is don't be judgy. Look at the person next to you say, don't be judgy. Look at the person on the other side say, don't be judgy. Okay. Is that a great word? Everyone's going to use that word now, right? It's a great adjective. Now, the idea here is that, notice what it says, verse 2. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. So if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you're a weakling. No, that's not what it means. I'm just kidding. I had to go there. And I'm a lot, I was, listen, I was a vegetarian for about 14 years and a vegan for part of that. You're like, what, really? No, it wasn't because of um, uh, moral or social reasons. I just grew up in a home where my grandma and my, and my mom could cook like no one's business and I went to college and I couldn't eat that stuff. So, so I did it for survival reasons. I lived on peanut butter and oatmeal all through college and then the years following. But, but now, listen, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I like me some meat. But the idea is in the early church there was these questions of conscience over, can we eat meat if they were offered to idols? And so the idea was, is that for people who believe in the true and living God, if they felt that they, some people felt if they ate meat that was sacrificed to idols, they were worshiping another God, violating God's plan. And so what happened was it became a, a really big issue in the early church, now, what's interesting is the Apostle Paul in his, in 1 Corinthians starts to discuss this, and he pretty much says the reason that you can eat anything that you want is because there's really no such thing. An idol is not real. So, so there's, it's really, it's really a, a false argument. And if you don't believe me, go read 1 Corinthians chapter 8 if you want some further coloring on that. And so, but really what went on is for some people, by eating the meat that they bought in the marketplace that may have been sacrificed to idols, they felt that they were violating their relationship with God, their newfound faith. And so what went on is that obviously for those who felt the liberty to eat meat and those who felt, didn't feel the liberty and it violated their conscience, guess what happened? Fighting happened. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's really a Christian and who's really not? Sound familiar? Goes on today all the time. 
right? But notice what he says. He says, verse three, and this is really where he, he start, Paul starts to bring it down to the point. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. So don't let the person who feels the liberty to eat look down on the person who doesn't. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. What's amazing is that on both sides of the spectrum, on one side, they despise them for eating. On the other side, they judge them. Right? But notice what it says. For God has received him. Now, I think this is a huge thing. Because really what he's saying is, is that both sides of the argument, the person who feels the liberty and the person who judges the person who feels the liberty, they both have the same heart problem. They're being judgy. They're looking down on somebody else. And look at what Paul says, verse four. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him say, now, see, Paul in verse four brings it right down. Why you and I should not be judging is simply that it's not your call, right? The only person who is responsible, like on your job for your employee review is your boss, not someone else's, not, not some other boss. See, each person stands before God. And every time we act judgy, we actually violate the very beliefs that we have because we know that God is the judge. Right? And it's not before our eyes does someone stand or fall. It's before God's eyes. And don't miss the fact, he says, for God is able to make that person stand. Why? Because there's not one of us who is saved by our perfect doctrine, our perfect practice. We're saved by what? Grace. Apart from what? Works. It's a gift of God. So you see right now, you see how Satan can take this idea, and he's ripping the church apart. When people look at the church, they're like, wait a minute, if they can't even agree on anything, then why should we even look at Jesus? But here's the deal. We believe that a person's life will be weighed by Jesus and none other. And what I'm constantly learning is that I don't understand all the variables. So it's not my place to sit in the judgment seat. And it's actually not my call. Now, Let me ask you this. How have you, whether in real time or in your heart, needlessly been judgy and separated people out on the non-essentials? Now, what's amazing is, is I love Jesus. And there are churches, they wouldn't even let me in the church looking the way that I look. You realize that, right? Let alone let me teach. Why? Because I have long hair, right? Now, of course, I've read the Bible many times. I know what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that a man shouldn't have long hair. But here's the thing. I also know what it says about the Nazarite vow where God told them to grow their hair. I also know what it says in the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus where it says that men shouldn't shave the sides of their beard. So all of you would shave faces, sinners. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think you're a sinner. But we can do this all day, can't we? Why? Because when you put the whole of Scripture together, when you put the whole of Scripture together, does the Bible teach unequivocally that if a man has long hair that he's sinning against God when earlier God said, I want you to grow your hair as a sign of a vow? Now, I'm not saying I took a vow. This is the only way that my face looks halfway normal. You know? But 
It's amazing how many people think that I am apostate because of that. Now, I don't really mind it because those are the very people that I'm not trying to reach anyway, right? But if you think about it, we could do this all day long where some people have liberty and other people don't and somebody wants to totalize their view and make it everybody's view. On the essentials, Jesus, his perfectly lived life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his soon return, Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. We line that thing. We don't even mess around. And if somebody is open to the gifts of the spirit or not, not my problem. I love them. If somebody believes this translation or this translation, I'm good either way, as long as they're in the word. If somebody has a different types of church government, don't mind. If someone believes in the five points of Calvinism or not, doesn't bother me at all. They're part of the family of God. If somebody feels that they have the liberty to drink alcohol, not unto drunkenness, I'm fine. If someone chooses not to, I'm fine. What we're going to find later is that liberty isn't the greatest. Love is the greatest. And we're going to see that at the end. So in all these things, saying that the law of love trumps the law of liberty. What we're going to find is that when you stumble somebody, given your liberty, that's a problem. But in all these things, we have this tendency, like, like right now, it's like we can look at all these different areas. Like there are some of you, if somebody drinks Starbucks, you get mad at them because Starbucks is at the front of the war on Christmas or something. You know what I mean? Now that's you, stop it. It's just a coffee company. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like we, we, have this, we live in this day and age that's so divisive that it comes into the church. But like as Christians, we go read Romans 14 and it says, listen, before the Lord a servant stands or falls. So you and I, as children of God, if you're here today and you're born again, I realize not everybody here is a child of God and it is unequivocally is my aim to make you a child of God. I can't make you, only Jesus can. But I want to persuade you that you are a child of God. You wouldn't be here if God didn't create you, if God didn't sustain you. The only way you will ever truly know who you are is to see yourself in Christ. And Jesus, I believe if you're hearing this, whether you're joining us online or you're here in our sanctuary in Vancouver, God has been pursuing you. And you know that he's pursuing you because you wouldn't even be here if he wasn't. Right? And so I want you to see yourself as a child of God because it's who you truly are. That's the truest thing about you. But you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus. But I realize that many people are turned off by Christianity because there's so much ticky-tacky judginess that goes on. But I'm here to tell you, if you've been the, on the receiving end of that, as probably all of us have, maybe before we're in Christ or when you're in Christ and someone gives you a hard time over something, I just want to apologize because as you're seeing in Romans 14, we're going to see this whole time, that is not the heart of God. Someone got it wrong. In the name of Jesus. And I want to personally apologize to you for the pain that came from that. Because that's not God's heart at all. I'm here to tell you, listen, I am so grateful for the grace of God. I realize that no matter how hard I try, and believe me, I try. I'm never going to have a perfectly lived day. Not only in all my actions, but in my motivations behind my actions. There's not a, such a thing that I'm going to say in action and in motivation and in uh, the way that I think that I'm going to live a perfect day. God is able to make a person stand because God is good. And the gospel, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it's finished as long as you get everything else right. He says, it's finished. The debt has been paid. Listen to what James says about this. James 4, verses 11 and 12. It says it this way. Do not speak evil of 
one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Boom! That's that's nasty language right there. Who's the lawgiver? The Lord is. See, that's the beauty of following Jesus is that we have a life that it's not just about us and our feelings and our culture. We realize that we live before the Lord who is ultimately the judge. And every single person doesn't have to give an account to me. They have to give an account to him. And he judges with righteous judgment, with, with full understanding. I remember I was talking to someone recently and, and, they, and they were complaining. This was about two years ago. They were very upset because, you know, there are people smoking cigarettes in our parking lot. And they're like, man, I mean, what kind of a church do people who smoke cigarettes? I'm like, well, for some people, smoking cigarettes is way better than shooting heroin. They kind of looked at me. And I'm like, don't you think? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so... If, if someone stops shooting heroin and they're smoking cigarettes right now, it's not like a really positive step. Yeah. You don't know their story. Now, don't get me wrong. Ultimately, and I'm not picking on those of you and I'm not being judged with cigarettes, but listen, God created your lungs for oxygen, not smoke. Right? I don't think smoking cigarettes is going to keep you out of heaven. I think it'll get you there quicker. <laughs> and that's true. Statistically true. So, so what I'm saying is, I'm not, I'm not picking on you, but like, you know, would Jesus be sitting there smoking cigarettes? Would he be rolling his own? You know what I mean? Like the, like the organic tobacco? No. He wouldn't be doing that. So if he wouldn't do it, he doesn't want us to do it. But we're all in process, right? We're all in process. We, we all, listen, anybody here want to say they got nothing they're working on right now? Because if you raise your hand, you're going to spend a week with me. I'll give you a whole list of things to work on. And you'll give me a list of things to work on. I mean, that's how it works. But we have to remember, the only, the only person that each one of us is responsible to be judged by is the Lord. And anytime we get judgy, we actually violate the very beliefs that we have. We don't want to be those type of people. So everyone say at the same time, don't be judgy. One, two, three. Don't be judgy. Okay, going on, verse five. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. For he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat. And he gives God thanks. Jesus is In our social media culture, it seems like everyone has an opinion about every topic and isn't afraid to share it. Sadly, many people don't care about how their comments affect others. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that life isn't just about you. In fact, your goal should be to work toward unity with other believers. He said that ultimately, God is the one who judges us with righteousness and understanding. You were reminded that when you judge others, you violate the very belief system you hold to. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus Is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. 
I wanted to write a book to explain even more. Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well. From those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you. And that's what transforms our world. Find out more and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will encourage you to make space for opposing opinions. He'll explain that people have different convictions about less essential issues. When you're confident that God is behind your choices, you do or don't do those things all for Him. You'll be reminded God has rescued you and you are His servant. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Amplify. Until then, may God bless.